Hey everyone, this is Pastor Daniel Williams with eeleaders.com. I am so looking forward to launching season two of Leadership Lessons on Monday, March 4th. But until then, I thought this month in February, I would give you some special content to get you excited about this new season. Over this next month, I'll be sharing fresh content from the Refresh Conference. This was a local conference that we hosted back in November to encourage and equip local church leaders in our area. And it was such a great time of fellowship, uh, great sessions, and just being together, worshiping Jesus. It was an awesome time. We had Pastor David Guzik from Enduring Word and my friend Jason Sanchez, who's the director of the House of Less Orphanage. And so this is session two with my friend Jason Sanchez giving us a great encouraging word. Galatians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be if you have your Bibles. While you're turning there, uh, I'm going to read another verse. Um, just going to spend a couple minutes talking a little bit about sort of how we ended up where we are, which is going to trans transition us to uh, kind of the text I'd like to share this morning. Uh, when we were getting ready to venture out and sort of have, have our world radically changed six years ago, uh, this verse was given to us in Habakkuk 1.5. And it says, look among the nations and watch and be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. And those of you who are at Redemption Church and have heard me um, share before, that's kind of a, a life verse that God has given us. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which, which you would not believe, even if it were told you. So even if God would have said to us when we were pastoring and ministering at a church uh, nine for nine years, if God would have said, hey, you know, one day you're going to go and you're going to start an orphanage and you're going to do this, uh, I, I simply would not have believed him. Can any of you relate to that? Yeah. If God would have revealed something to you and said, hey, listen, you know, when you're this, this year's amount of years old or this and this, this is what's going to happen, we might say, nah, that ain't going to happen or, wow, are you serious? I mean, part of us would probably not believe that. If someone would have told me, I have a couple pictures of, um, of our daughter that we adopted. If someone would have said, hey, uh, the other one, first one. We could look at that one too. That's her now. So sort of our story is kind of, I would say, begins with uh, infertility. Unexplained infertility. God infertility. In other words, what that means is when you go to doctors and specialists and you're trying to figure out, hey, how come we're not getting pregnant like everybody else is? And all the doctors and specialists are saying, we have no idea why. Everything is fine. Everything is normal. That is God unexplained infertility. That's closed doors. So while we were pressing through that, I love that David. Come on, wasn't that a great sermon last night? When he said it, it's, it's in those sufferings that we, Lord, if we're going to know you more through that, then help us to sort of embrace that. So we had to come to a place where, Lord, are we going to embrace this unexplained something, or are we just going to remain 
angry and frustrated for the rest of our lives. And so we started searching his scriptures. We started praying. We started crying out to him. And he did just what our brother shared last night and just what God's word says. He drew near to us in a way that we had never experienced before. So if someone would have said, hey, infertility is going to bring you to adopt this little girl who was born in Ethiopia and abandoned naked on a road and then found by um, these ladies walking to work, brought to a police station, the police officers named her. Her name is Ayantu. And as we were talking about maybe changing the name to, you know, something a little more easy to say, easy to pronounce. That all went out the window when we figured out and found out what her name actually means. Ayantu means blessed for the future. Come on, you cannot change a name once you find out what that means. So we moved down when she's two years old, and then the, the, this is the other picture of her. So if God would have said to us, hey, listen, you're going to go through this so that you can have this so that you're then going to do this, we would say, no way. Impossible. Really? Let me put it in this way. You can, re you can take that picture off, brother. When I was at Bible college and... Um, studying and, and um, teaching here and there, uh, one of my favorite commentators was a guy named David Guzik. <laughs> I'm serious. This is not to put him on the spot or anything. This is real stuff. I loved listening to him. I loved reading his stuff. So if someone would have said 10, 12, 15 years ago, one day you're going to speak at a conference with David Guzik, I would say, are you insane? Don't you know who he is? And I am not anyone special. No way. And listen, even back in February when Daniel was down in Mexico, and we started talking about the Refresh Conference, I was like, dude, I heard it was so awesome. Oh, man, I would love to. I would have loved to have been there. And Daniel was like, hey, maybe we can time it when you normally come to Florida. So we're just chit-chatting, talking about stuff. All of a sudden, it was like, hey, this might take place. I usually come out here in November, December-ish. And so we start talking about it. I was like, oh, man, that'd be so cool. He's like, yeah, man, we can do some worship. Bring your wife, bring your daughter out. We're just like, okay, let's do this. So a couple months later, Daniel calls me, and he says, hey, man, so stoked. We got the dates. This is what's going on. I'd like for you to do this, do this, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you're going to be speaking after David Guzik and then this. And I said, what? <laughs> True story. What did you say? Yeah, man, David Guzik's coming out. He's just teaching. And then you're going to, and I was like, what? <laughs> and check this out. I, in that moment, on the phone, I disqualified myself from being able to do that, merely because I thought I have nothing to bring, I have nothing to offer, 
I have nothing that I could possibly say following a guy who has wrote a commentary on the whole Bible. That was what was going through my mind. And then Daniel was like, well, good luck, buddy. We'll see you in November. <laughs> see you in November. And then the Lord started speaking to my heart. And he started revealing verses to me. And then I started thinking, you know, maybe I do need to go to this conference. Because if I'm feeling this way, and this is a leader's conference and a servant's conference, there's got to be some other people that must be feeling something similar. Let me give you a few thoughts. I only have a small church. I'm not a very good worship leader. I'm not as talented as that other person. I just serve in children's ministry. I've never written a commentary. I get nervous when I stand in front of people. And all of a sudden, all of these, I've never, I can't. They can begin to flood our minds. And then sometimes for people, before they even take that step into what God has called them to do, they have disqualified themselves. They said, I can't. And then they never venture out. Listen, I, probably the least person qualified to do an orphanage thing. In the sense of I've had no formal education. Uh, I don't have any degrees. I was horrible at administration. I'm not good at fundraising. Literally everything that probably you need to do something, I was not which is probably why God picked me. Because, listen, what's the theme of our conference? God is. God is everything. We are nothing. God is everything. We are nothing. And the moment we realize that, that puts all of us on the same playing field. And that means that God can use every single one of us, right? Because, listen, we all are nothing, and he is everything. And that in somehow, in God's way of doing things, he graciously, mercifully, patiently lets us be involved in what he wants to do. And so as this is going through my mind and I'm starting to think, okay, I think I can say yes and I think I can go to this conference and I was still terrified and thinking, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to do this and all this stuff. And then I just started thinking, you know what? What about all the guys that the scriptures talk about? who in God was calling them, preparing them, getting ready to use them, what were their responses? Well, I'm going to give you three examples. Because the best thing that we have to do is to get to the Bible. 
And I think maybe sometimes we think, well, no one struggled with this or nobody did that. That is why we read the Bible from cover to cover. We should read every aspect of it. Because listen, there was a guy named Moses back in Exodus. And in chapters 3 and 4, as God was basically telling him, this is what you're going to do, he responds three different times with these words. Exodus 3.11, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So this is when God came to him basically said, hey, my people, they're in captivity. I hear their cry. I'm going to bring them out to the promised land. You're going to go and you're going to lead them. Later on in chapter 4, verse 11, but Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither in the past or since you have spoken your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Second time, he's trying to maybe get out of this calling. Then a few verses later, he just straight up says, Oh, Lord, please send someone else. <laughs> I love that. Straight up, I love that about the Bible. God, please. Someone else. Is there anyone else? How about Jeremiah? Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then Jeremiah responds, Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak for I am just a youth. And then one of my favorites in the New Testament, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained or common men, they were astonished. Uneducated, untrained, Common men. Why is this one my favorite? What, what is unique about these brothers? What was special about Moses or Jeremiah or Peter and John? Well, let's look at what it says, what the Lord responded back to Jeremiah. In verses 7 and 8, he says, But the Lord said to me, Do not say you're only a youth, for to all whom... I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Look at what Mos uh, the Lord said back to Moses. Who has made man's mouth, Moses? Who makes him mute, the, him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Can we turn the lights on? Having a little hard time reading. Thank you. That didn't really help. <laughs> Thank you. There we go. <laughs> That's better. Verse 12, Exodus 4:12. Now therefore go and what? And I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Are you starting to see the pattern here in God's responses? And finally, Acts 4:13 at the end of it. After perceiving that they were uneducated, they were untrained, they were common men, why were they astonished? What is so astonishing about uneducated, untrained, 
and just common people. Well, it says this, because they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So listen. Jesus is everything and we are nothing. And when we recognize that, he can use us. I have loved spending time with David Guzik, and he is, I will say this, he is the opposite of everything I thought he would be. I just assumed if you write Bibles, commentaries, you're just this upper echelon person, and you have these offices and a staff, and you just live the high life. <laughs> the dude books his own travel, doesn't have a staff, doesn't have a secretary, doesn't have offices, and I was just so, and he gives all his stuff out for free. But think about this, how much the enemy uses preconceived ideas and assumptions to ruin the work that God has for us. And then we disqualify ourselves, and then we're not doing and, and fulfilling that which God has. So I'm speaking to those here who would say, man, that is me. I don't know what I'm doing, especially you brothers that are about ready to go out and start churches and works. Man, it might become a 3,000-person church. It might become a three-person church with, with your dogs, so six people, right? <laughs> Daniel and Laura went to a Hillsong conference. There was how many people there? Thousands of people there, and there's 30, 40 people here. But somehow in our minds, if we can't listen, I don't have a lot of experience. I've been in ministry for probably 20 years. I just turned 39. But I've done enough to understand how the enemy can just work us over, and then we just feel like we are nothing. But listen. Listen. We must never forget that we are nothing. Because I could have swung to the other side when Daniel told me, hey, man, uh, you're going to follow up David Guzik. Oh, really? It's about time. I mean, I was, was wondering when I was going to get to share the stage with somebody bigger than my dad or somebody over here. And then all of a sudden, we start carrying ourselves like we are something. You know what I'm saying? So there's both sides to it. Finally, man, I am. Then, you know, selfies and everything, and then posting on social media, look at me, you know, hashtag blessed and all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> but listen, <laughs> Paul, a dude who ever had the right to boast. Here's what he says in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. <laughs> Listen, what made Paul so special? Now, he had all the training and what the world would say, all the street smarts and everything. He, he, was, he was the man. Prior to becoming a Christian and surrendering his life. So he was one that had all the qualifications. 
But he was also one that realized that meant nothing when I became nothing and I allowed him who is everything to what? To come into my life. And therefore, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I think um, this is one of the most important verses in the Bible. Because for those of us who do think we are something or that we have arrived or that we have something to offer, we need to be reminded that it is Christ who lives in us. And for those of us who feel like we don't, we haven't arrived and we don't have anything to offer and we can't be used, we need to realize that it is Christ who lives in us. And so I literally cannot take any credit, any glory, any fame, or anything for the work that God has been doing down in Mexico. We have just followed his calling, tried to stay out of the way. And believe me, there have times when I've tried to make things happen. You ever been guilty of that? You all know how that goes. Not well. Sometimes the Lord lets you sort of meddle in it a little bit. Another time he just ends it right then and there. And there have been times when I have, I have tried to do stuff to make something happen, and it simply was not happening. And then the Lord had to remind me that it is about him and not about me. Listen, Paul, this is what I love about Paul. I've been crucified with Christ. He starts by, I've been crucified with Christ. In other words, my life, I gave that up. When I experienced Christ in the way that I did, I, I, I put to death the law, my flesh, that was done with. And then he says, it is no longer I who live. Now he has this understanding when he met the, the Lord. On the road to Damascus, he has this understanding of something radical happened, and Christ came in and radically changed my life. How often we try to take our own lives back. I think that's one of the biggest problems with, with Christians, or one of the biggest reasons why Christians aren't excelling more or maybe being set apart more or looking more different because we've sort of forget that is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we get comfortable, we get complacent, and we, we start thinking, hey, I've been doing this for six years. You know, I, I think I know what I'm doing. And listen, there's nothing, no, there's nothing wrong with being confident, right, in who you are in Christ, but that's the key, being confident in who you are in Christ, not in who you are, okay? <laughs> because Christ is everything. So it is no longer I who live, but what? But Christ who lives in me. And then he says, and the, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And then he closes, verse 20, who loved me and gave himself. So Paul has this understanding. This was all possible. All of this is because there is a God who not only loved me, 
but who gave himself for you. And listen, this verse started transforming my mind. And it started giving me a confidence in who Christ is in my life and what he wants to do. It started giving me a boldness to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, when you move to a foreign country and you don't speak this, the language and you live in a town of 2,000 people and you're six foot five, Caucasian male with an African-American daughter, you stand out like a sore thumb. In fact, for two or three years, we had never seen another African-American person in our whole area. And here we are in a town of 2,000 people, 6,500 feet up in the Sierra Madres, trying to do an orphanage. And we recognize early on, there, there was really even nothing that we could bring to the table. We hardly even understood the language. But over the years, as we acclimated ourselves more and we started learning the language more and we got settled more and we started doing things more, we were growing in a confidence of, God, we can do this. And then we started getting excited about what God was having us to do. I so appreciated what David said um, Shared with Daniel and I, he said, I just love what I get to do. And I started growing in that. We, Lord, we are loving what you are doing and what you are allowing us to do. But understand your growth, your plan, your path will not look like the other person's. And you've got to fight that temptation to look over the hedge and to look to the other side and say, well, how come they're kind of excelling a little bit more? Listen, whether you're doing orphanages or planting churches or starting new jobs or anything, that is just the sort of a natural thing in our lives. What's going on in that other person's life? How come this Lord, how come that? Lord, what, what, what are we missing? We're, we're doing this. And we came to Delray Beach first, and we started this church six years ago, and now Will went out and started a church. He's got 300 people. And listen, don't ever for a moment think that the enemy will not come in in that way and feed you seeds of doubt and discouragement and discord. It's what God has for each one of us. Someone recently said to us, you know, why don't you guys try infertility treatment? I know so-and-so. Everyone always has a story. Don't, have you ever met someone who's like, well, I know so-and-so who in this and this and everyone's got a story about some aunt or some uncle or something that had this, and so therefore it's probably going to work in your life. Especially down in Mexico. The gossip down there and everybody, well, I have a great aunt and she drank tea mixed with, with grass and a little bit of a leaf and boom, pregnant the next day. Why don't you guys try this? So someone said, why, why don't you guys do this? 
And I said, well, number one, it costs a lot of money. And number two, I've talked to a lot of people who have done it, and it didn't work. So if God supernaturally closed a door, unless he makes it very clear, I'm not about to drop thousands of dollars to think that it might somehow open that door. We would love to have a child biologically. Sure. Never experienced that. But that might not be God's plan. And we're okay with that. Daniel Knight, he, he's one of my best buddies. I love this brother. And we have searched the heavens to figure out why Redemption Church has had the ups and downs and the flows. And it's, it's just sort of maintained. And we have spent a lot of late nights just talking and this and that. And you know what? This is what I love about this brother. He's still here. And he's still serving. And he's still putting on refresh conferences. And he really doesn't care anymore. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't go through discouragement. That's probably why he loves me coming out because we just have a cry fest, and we just vent to each other, and we just hold each other. But listen, a lot of people would have thrown in the towel based on numbers and statistics and this and that. Listen, we live in a numbers, statistic, driven with everything, right? When you're talking with people, especially like church, if you're pastors, oh, oh, you're pastor, okay, At some point within probably five minutes, what's the question that's going to come up? How many many people are you running? So whether you say how many people you run in, uh, what's your services like? I mean, we try to phrase it different way, but basically we want to know how many people are coming to this. Listen, it's the same way with orphanages. Two years ago when we did the, um, the Christmas fest here in Delray Beach, Daniel had me out. We, we had a booth for the orphanage, and we happened to be uh, seated right next to another nonprofit organization that had an orphanage uh, in another country. And I thought, man, this is so cool. What are the chances? Delray Beach, Florida, this exact day, two booths. So I go over there, introduce myself, start talking. Guess what the first question was? How many kids you got in your orphanage? And I said, um, 17? Oh, we have 70. Now, he wasn't saying it in like a, ooh, sucks to be you. Only got 17. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was. <laughs> but what went through my mind was for a moment, oh, we only have 17. He's got 70. I must be a more successful orphanage. Right? Your workplaces, you, you just, just in anything, that our human nature, we're just prone to, to sway one way or another based on numbers and statistics. And, and God would say, throw that out. He is not calling everybody to move to Mexico and start orphanages. He's not calling everybody to move to Delray Beach and start churches. He's not calling everybody to write Bible commentaries. 
He's calling us to do the very thing that he has created us to do. And that's why he's saying to Jeremiah, he said, before I even formed you in your mother's womb, this is what I have. One of the things that um, revolutionized kind of my way of thinking is uh, bubbles. And, and I used to try to explain this to people, especially our youth group, and they think I'm weird. Maybe some of you will think I'm weird, but um, I think in bubbles. Have you guys ever blown bubbles, right? You blow bubbles and what? They fly all over the place. And then sometimes, every once in a while, you will get some bubbles that will what? They'll latch on together. And then they'll start forming. Or they might just float off and you never see them again. So that's kind of how I think. I think in bubbles. Thoughts will come to mind, random things or whatnot, and then they just sort of stay out in bubble land or whatnot. And then every once in a while, God will start piecing things together. And when we take a step back and we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, I want to view this through your lens. I want to view this through how you see it. Then things start shaping and taking form. Let me say it in this way. Have you guys ever watched uh, um, like at a basketball game or, or seen on TV the, those artists where they'll play music and they'll like throw paint on the canvas, you have, right? Okay, you have no idea what they're doing and then they'll like spin the canvas around and then within, uh, I don't know, two, three, four minutes, the camera starts panning and then all of a sudden it's, a picture? You guys know what I'm talking about? That's kind of how the Lord works in our lives. There's times where we feel like, Lord, we're just a canvas and you're just chucking paint. I, I, what does that even mean? And it might be the next day or the next week or a year or two years or 15 years or maybe you might not ever see the finished painting. That's what David was talking about. That might be reserved for when we're in heaven. But listen, understand that the creator and sustainer of all things is still working. He is still moving. I was sharing with David there, um, a lot of people in Mexico, they ask about the violence. and So, so they, they so badly want me to say nothing will ever happen to you if you come down to Mexico. I can't say that because I'm not God and anything can happen. But I do know this, that the word of God transcends all borders, and everything. And yet I have had conversations with Christians where the inference has been these things only kind of work in my little safe area. And it's as if they're saying, well, once I cross into Mexico, I guess then, then God is not with me. And that's another lie from the enemy. And that's just one more thing to keep us from doing what he has called us into. And so listen, in closing, I just encourage you guys, don't remain in a state like I was when Daniel told me about this conference, feeling like, I can't do this. Even prior to getting out here, I was stressing, I was worrying, I was, <laughs> you can ask my wife, I just, I was so nervous. It has been so great 
just hanging out with another brother in Christ and gleaning from someone who has been doing it longer. And so God has a plan for every single one of you in here. And that plan first starts with your heart or started with your heart being surrendered to him. And then it continues with you getting out of the way and praying and seeking and trusting. And then for you to understand and know that God loves you and he gave himself for you. And when we keep that in the forefront of our minds, we're going to be content at a 40-person conference or 4,000-person conference or an orphanage with 15 kids or an orphanage with 500 kids or a job making 35000 a year or a job making 300000 a year. Whatever that is, we are going to be confident in knowing that this is what God has for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so uh, as we, what do we do now, pray, worship? Okay. So Daniel's going to sing a song, and, and I just encourage you guys, um, don't be too quick to start singing the song. Just be still. Know that he's God. And specifically, if you can really relate to this, maybe you came into this conference feeling like nothing. I hope that you leave this conference feeling like nothing, but understanding that you are everything in Christ. And what he has for you. Maybe for some of you, you've been carrying unnecessary weight that God did not ask you to carry. When I moved down to Mexico, I was not this gray. In fact, I look at pictures. What are you laughing at, Brian? (laughs) That was a big laugh, man. Well, yeah, it is true. I have been stretched and pushed to places I have never been in my life before. And I, so much was going on and taking place, and I came to a point where I physically, I was getting sick more than I've ever been before. My asthma has come back in a way. I've not had it since I was 12. And this stuff is taking place, and I finally realize I am carrying a weight that God never asked me to carry. And he met me in my quiet time, and he said, are you ready to give that to me? Are you ready to surrender that to me so that I can deal with that? And I'm still in process of it, but I tell you what, I haven't been stressing as much as I have. And I haven't been sick for a while. Now listen, I'm not saying I'm not sick because I'm not worrying, but maybe that is. I'm feeling strengthened. 
I'm feeling encouraged. It takes a lot for, for us to travel, especially with, when, when it's my wife and I. And this, preparing for this trip and coming up, we have a staff. We, it's, it's like everyone's saying, what are you worrying about? I don't know. There's just something in me that I try to take stuff back, and I try to, and the Lord was saying, no, you're going to go to Florida. You're going to speak. You're going to enjoy your family. You're going to get rest, and then you're going to come back. Let the Lord refresh you this morning. Let him lift any of that dead weight that you are trying to carry. Be reminded that God is, and we're not. And then be prepared for the incredible things that he wants to do. And understand it will not look like what everybody else has looked like. But it will be intricately, perfectly made the way God has it for you. Father, we thank you that you loved us and you gave yourself for us. God, thank you for giving us your son. He who knew no sin, who became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, God, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you that the words that you spoke to Jeremiah and to Moses, the Peter and John, you're, you're speaking those to us this morning. Oh, God, we are uneducated, untrained, sinful people. But we want to be known because we've been with Jesus. We want the world to see us not based on our successes, but by based on the fact that we love you. That is what will impact people. Lord, I pray specifically for um, brothers and sisters in here, Lord, who are struggling with worry, doubt, fear, discouragement. Oh, Jesus, I pray that you would remove those chains. The power of Jesus' name, break those walls down. Remind them of who they are in you. We thank you, God, that you are allowing us to be used. So, Lord, have your way. Speak to our hearts through this time of worship. This time of meditation, this time of recognizing and declaring who you are.